Kia ora and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. I am Frances Duncan. I write books that are vaguely based off Jane Austen stories. Uh, and in 2014, I founded the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa, New Zealand. So next year, it'll be 10 years. It's just me today, and we're going to read and discuss the end of Lady Susan. There have been 41 letters so far, and it's kind of like Jane Austen gives up and just writes a conclusion. It's not a letter. Conclusion. This correspondence, by a meeting between some of the parties and a separation between the others, could not, to the great detriment of the post office revenue, be continued longer. Very little assistance to the state could be derived from the epistolary intercourse of Mrs. Vernon and her niece, for the former soon perceived by the style of Frederica's letters that they were written under her mother's inspection, and therefore, deferring all particular inquiry till she could make it personally in town, cease writing minutely or often. Having learnt enough in the meanwhile from her open-hearted brother of what had passed between him and Lady Susan to sink the latter lower than ever in her opinion, she was proportionably more anxious to get Frederica removed from such a mother and place under her own care, and though with little hope of success, was resolved to leave nothing unattempted that might offer a chance of obtaining her sister-in-law's consent to it. Her anxiety on the subject made her press for an early visit to London, and Mr. Vernon, who as it must have already appeared lived only to do whatever he was desired, soon found some accommodating business to call him thither. With a heart full of the matter, Mrs. Vernon waited on Lady Susan, shortly after her arrival in town, and she was met with such an easy and cheerful affection as made her almost turn from her with horror. No remembrance of Reginald, no consciousness of guilt, gave one look of embarrassment. She was in excellent spirits and seemed eager to show at once, by every possible attention to her brother and sister, her sense of their kindness and her pleasure in their society. Frederica was no more altered than Lady Susan. The same restrained manners, the same timid look in the presence of her mother as heretofore, assured her aunt of her situation's being uncomfortable, and confirmed her in the plan of altering it. No unkindness, however, on the part of Lady Susan appeared. Persecution on the subject of Sir James was entirely at an end. His name merely mentioned to say that he was not in London, and in all her conversation she was solicitous only for the welfare and improvement of her daughter acknowledging in terms of grateful delight that Frederica was now growing every day more and more what a parent could desire. Mrs. Vernon, surprised and incredulous, knew now what to suspect, and without any change in her own views, only feared greater difficulty in accomplishing them. The first hope of anything better was derived from Lady Susan's asking her whether she thought Frederica looked quite as well as she had done at Churchill, as she must confess herself to have sometimes an anxious doubt of London's perfectly agreeing with her. Mrs. Vernon, encouraging the doubt, directly proposed her niece's returning with them into the country. Lady Susan was unable to express her sense of such kindness, yet knew not from a variety of reasons how to part with her daughter, and as though her own plans were not yet wholly fixed, she trusted it would ere long be in her power to take Frederica into the country herself, concluded by declining entirely to profit by such unexampled attention. Mrs. Vernon, however, persevered in the offer of it, and though Lady Susan continued to resist, her resistance in the course of a few days seemed somewhat less formidable. The lucky alarm of an influenza decided what might not have been decided quite so soon. Lady Susan's maternal fears were then too much awakened for her to think of anything but Frederica's removal from the risk of infection. Above all disorders in the world, she most dreaded influenza for her daughter's constitution. 
Frederica returned to Churchill with her uncle and aunt, and three weeks afterwards, Lady Susan announced her being married to Sir James Martin. Mrs. Vernon was then convinced of what she had only suspected before, that she might have spared herself all the trouble of urging a removal which Lady Susan had doubtless resolved on from the first. Frederica's visit was nominally for six weeks, but her mother, though inviting her to return in one or two affectionate letters, was very ready to oblige the whole party by consenting to a prolongation of her stay, and in the course of two months, ceased to write of her absence, and in the course of two more, to write to her at all. Frederica was therefore fixed in the family of her uncle and aunt till such time as Reginald de Courcy could be talked, flattered, and finessed into an affection for her, which, allowing leisure for the conquest of his attachment to her mother, whereas abjuring all future attachments and detesting the sex, might be reasonably looked for in the course of a twelve-month. Three months might have done it in general, but Reginald's feelings were no less lasting than lively. Whether Lady Susan was, or was not, happy in her second choice, I do not see how it could ever be ascertained. For who would take her assurance of it on either side of the question? The world must judge from probability. She had nothing against her but her husband and her conscience. Sir James may seem to have drawn a harder lot than mere folly merited. I leave him therefore to all the pity that anybody can give him. For myself, I confess that I can pity only Miss Mannering, who coming to town and putting herself to an expense in clothes, which impoverished her for two years on purpose to secure him, was defrauded of her due by a woman ten years older than herself. The end. So it kind of feels like Jane Austen knows how she wants to wrap up all the threads, but it's going to be too difficult to do via letter, particularly because it's going to take a year for Reginald to get over Lady Susan. So you just have bigger and bigger gaps in between the letters and you kind of need a second or third storyline going on to keep it interesting. Also, you don't have dated letters so you wouldn't necessarily know about the passage of time. Jane Austen is just making jokes the whole way through though. It's to the great detriment of the post office revenue. How terrible they're not going to be making as much money now because people aren't writing as often because some of them have come together. The Catherines are together now. Now Lady Susan can't keep them apart. And eventually Frederica is with the Vernons again as well. I feel for Frederica. It's difficult for her to be stuck with her mother and she may have felt like Mrs. Vernon was abandoning her when she stopped writing. But it doesn't seem like it was too long before Mrs. Vernon showed up to rescue her. She's gone back to how she was previously in Lady Susan's presence. And Mrs. Vernon does manage to get her point to get Frederica away. But when Lady Susan eventually submits to that, she realises that that was Lady Susan's plan all along. She was just fucking with Mrs. Vernon to make her do the legwork to get Frederica. Mrs. Vernon gets what she wants. Frederica lives with her aunt and uncle until being married off to her aunt's brother. Oh, that's a complicated family dynamic. Jane Austen makes jokes about Mr. Vernon again. He lived only to do whatever he was desired. And you do find men that are easy to push around in this novel. Consider that Reginald was talked, flattered, and finessed into an affection for Frederica. Which I do hope they did genuinely care for each other because she deserved it after what she'd gone through. And I guess so did he. Even though Reginald has been open enough with Mrs. Vernon to know what went on in the relationship with Lady Susan, Lady Susan is playing it like nothing happened. 
she meets her with easy and cheerful affection, no consciousness of guilt, no remembrance of Reginald, no looks of embarrassment. That makes Mrs. Vernon turn away from her in horror, which reminds me of the end of Mansfield Park, when Edmund speaks to Miss Crawford for the last time, and he realises that their morals are so very different. He's horrified that she thinks only that their siblings were almost silly in getting caught in the infidelity, that it was the getting caught that was the bad thing rather than the infidelity itself. I mean, Lady Susan would agree on that point anyway, but it doesn't phase her. Lady Susan's appeared to have given up the plan of Frederica marrying Sir James Martin, and three weeks after Frederica leaves, Lady Susan marries him herself. Good for her. She'd got a rich husband like she wanted. Jane Austen isn't sure whether she'd be happy. Can we believe her if she said she was or she wasn't? She had nothing against her but her husband and her conscience. We know her conscience doesn't bother her. And Sir James seemed to be in love with her, so doesn't seem like it would matter too much. Perhaps she'd prefer someone who was a bit smarter, but she does enjoy them being biddable, and Sir James definitely is, I think she's probably pretty contented with her lot. She can easily manipulate Sir James and he's got enough money to keep her happy and he's of a good rank. Jane Austen ends with a joke, as she often does, bringing back into the story Miss Mannering, who we haven't heard from since Alicia's letter, saying you should come and marry Sir James before Miss Mannering does. Poor Miss Mannering, basically. She's been trying to get Sir James. And Lady Susan keeps getting in the way, even though she's 10 years older. This shouldn't be what happens. Miss Mannering is young. She's put out all the money on beautiful clothing. She should have got Sir James. Poor thing. I've really enjoyed this season, this reading of Lady Susan, for many reasons. I adored Lady Susan. It's not what you expect from a novel, and she's not what you expect from a character. She's such a strong woman, doing and saying things that I would never be able to, using all the power that she has to her advantage. Not many people have read Lady Susan. This was a great opportunity to get different perspectives from new readers, particularly people who may not have read Jane Austen before. Lady Susan being a shorter, I guess you'd say, novel, made that easier as well. Next season is about a web series called Rational Creatures, which is based on Jane Austen's persuasion. And I'm really interested to hear what people think about that one. Coming up in 2024, we are going to be doing Northanger Abbey. And I'm hoping to get two co-hosts and we'll alternate chapters for some different perspectives in there. Thank you so much for listening to this season. I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. There'll be links in the notes. I'm not sure if you know that you can get episodes early if you give me a little bit of money. And I also do individual meetings to discuss Jane Austen. So it's kind of like your own private podcast, should you wish that. This has been the conclusion of Lady Susan by Jane Austen. I'm Frances Duncan. Thank you for listening and I wish you, as always, happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of 
the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice, heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!